My name is Scott Challoner, and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. As regular listeners of our programme will know very well, part of our mission here at the Leaders' Council is to bring you a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. And to this end, I'm joined on today's programme by Kevin Brent, the founder and managing director of BizSmart, a company which supports business owners in building scalable, sustainable and valuable businesses. Um, Kevin, a very warm welcome to you today and thank you ever so much for joining us on the programme. It's a real pleasure having you with us. Well, thank you. The pleasure is mine. Thank you so much for inviting me on. It's a pleasure, Kevin. And uh, just uh, thinking about sort of uh, your journey into business, just for those sort of listeners tuning in that might not be familiar with yourself and BizSmart, I was wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about the uh, the backstory of the business and sort of what motivated you to sort of go into work for yourself and what it is that uh, BizSmart does today. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I founded BizSmart in 2012 after a reasonably long career in, in business and in the RAS before that. But um, the, the thing that struck me at the, at the time, having having set up um, a couple of my own businesses beforehand and finding, seeing how, how tricky it is to, to grow and scale a business, was, was some of the stats, like um, less than 1% of businesses in, in this country, and it's similar worldwide, scale beyond 50 employees, and only about 4%, in fact, scale beyond... 10 employees, and that was really one of the reasons for founding Bismarck was to try and understand some of the reasons behind that and look to explore as to, as to what we could do to try and move the needles on those dials. Yeah, that's really interesting. So when you're sort of delving into that side of things, what are some of the common factors that are maybe holding businesses back from that sort of, uh, that sort of further scale-up, let's say? Yeah, I think I think there's a number of number of things, and we and it does depend on where you are, perhaps on the scale up journey. We we break that that journey down into a series of stepping stones, and of course, not everybody wants to wants to scale. And in the early days, it's very much around trying to get the business model right. Your typical product market fit, or I've heard lots of people talk about. Um, but that transition from being a solopreneur to taking on three or four people is one of those first transitions. And if we get things wrong in that, then we're going to slip back to, to where we started probably or languish in uh, one of those valleys of death that we sometimes call them. And, and there's a series of stepping stones from upwards from there. So three to five is that first one, then eight to 12 typically and 20, 25 people and, and so on typically goes up in, in it, it's a function of team sizes, team units of um, between four and five and eight to 12 is typical team units. Yeah, um, I, I have to say that I've had business leaders like startup business leaders come onto this program before and they've talked about sort of when they were taking the journey of scaling up their business and um, one of the common things that seems to come up is that it's very, very difficult kind of letting go of the day-to-day responsibility, hiring more people and then taking a step mm. back into a more strategic role. They find the having to let go of the responsibility of operating the business on the ground quite difficult. Um, is that something yeah. that you found as well in your work? And if that's the case, what are maybe some of the reasonings behind that? It's certainly the, certainly the case. And we look at leadership across the spectrum of that scale-up journey, but there's a transition point at around about the 8 to 12. Up, up until that point, 
it's really about becoming the best version of ourselves that we can be, the best leader that we can be. And we're looking at delegating the things that we either shouldn't be doing or that we're not so good at. So we're trying to get things off our plate to free up our time to focus on the important things where we can really bring value to the business. Once we, and we can run like that up to typically when we've got somewhere around about 10 employees, because it's at that point that the traditional sort of leader follower model starts to break, break down. We can't really lead and, and manage at the same time mm. more than that sort of number of people. And we've got to make that transition then to when we've got a senior management team or leadership team in place. And the leadership then changes to needing to develop leaders behind us within the business so we're not the only leader. And that focus then changes from delegating the things that we shouldn't be doing and aren't very good at to actually delegating the things that we are good at. Because if we're the best at something within the business and we can't delegate that, we've just created a bottleneck for the, for the business. Yeah, so I think it's fair to say, isn't it, then, that leadership in this sense, it's it's more focused on the strategic and the developmental side, isn't it? And then management is more kind of, you know, the practical, the workings on the ground. Do you think that's a fair distinction? Yeah, I think I, I think so. I think as a, as a broad distinction, I think that, that's fair enough. There's lots of great, lots of great definitions of leadership. There's, there's one um, that I particularly like from Jim Collins, which is the... Um, the art of leadership is getting other people to want to do the things that must be done. So he's saying, first of all, it's an art. There's no one single way of, of leading. But we've also got to get other people to want to do these things. So we've got to get that alignment going, the commitment from other people. But, of course, we've got to be able to define the big things, the things that, that must be done. So we've got to combine all of those things in, in our leadership. And as you say... The, the management is then around actually getting those things getting those things done. And do you think that your earlier career in the RAF, as you've sort of touched on already, has sort of fed into your leadership style in the business world and the way that you kind of, let's say, maybe coach other business leaders to be able to sort of grow and scale up their own enterprises? Yeah, I think I think undoubtedly um, it, it has. I remember going back to Biggin Hill for the selection process. Um, way back at the, at the very beginning, and we were in. They put us in a in a hangar. They put us into groups of five or five or six people, and then we've got. Then they give us all sorts of tasks to do. So the sort of things you might imagine. You, know, you get a few couple of pine poles and a couple of barrels, and um, you've got some rules of the game, and you've got to achieve an objective that they give you. And the very first exercise they do, they don't assign a leader. So it's a leader-less group. And then after that, you each get assigned a leader. You take a turn as a leader. But it was really quite interesting as to how dysfunctional that first session is. And I've seen that repeated time and time again. If you don't have a strong leader and you don't have then from within that allocated roles and responsibilities, that you just end up in chaos. And when we think about sort of the strong leader that's necessary in a situation like that, what are some of the typical traits you think that that sort of leader ought to possess? Yeah, and that's, as I say, that's where it comes down to the to the art because mm. um, there, there, there is no one right right way. I mean, we hear of the sort of the autocratic style and, and when we think of the military, that's probably the, the thing that 
jumps to mind. We imagine Russell Crowe as the submarine captain giving out all of these orders and everybody else jumping to it and, and, and doing it. Whereas actually, in reality, the forces aren't aren't like that. Some, there are times when that has to happen. There are times when basically everybody has to follow the leader unquestionably. Um, but equally, there are, there are plenty of times when you need that more collegiate type of leadership where it's more about the intent than it is necessarily about giving giving orders. And the for me, the single biggest quality of a, of a leader, for somebody to be taken seriously as a leader, is is their authenticity. If you've got somebody where that is questionable, then I don't think it matters really what their style of leadership is, what else to try to do. If they haven't got that credibility that comes from uh, being authentic, then they're going to seem to really struggle. Exactly right. And it's a very interesting time in this country for leadership more broadly, isn't it? Because we obviously we, we mourned, of course, the uh, the passing of the uh, the Queen just yesterday. We are recording this podcast on the 20th of September 2022 for those tuning in. So the Queen's funeral, of mm. course, took place yesterday as we're as we're speaking yes, now. Um, and then days before that, of course, we had a new prime minister, the third woman prime minister that we've ever had in this country as well. Mm. And so um, there's a transition of leadership at the uh, the government at the ministerial level and of course Liz Truss our new PM she's going to have plenty um, on her plate and obviously your immediate priority is going to be you know inflation high energy costs dealing with that and what's going on in the international sphere but from a business perspective I guess there's also going to be a lot that industry leaders are going to be calling on her to focus on as well. And I think it's fair to say, isn't it, Kevin, that some of that is going to be how we can help British businesses succeed. And we're seeing just in things like export statistics, for instance, that we're we're exporting less than other countries. And I don't think that's entirely down to sort of Brexit red tape, but it's also down to sort of various other factors as well. We need to be helping businesses succeed. And something that seems to have struck me especially is that government in the past has been sort of very very proactive in quite intensive support programs to support UK innovations and development but then there's no kind of there's no legacy program there's no kind of follow-on would you agree that maybe support needs to be more sort of drawn out as opposed to short and intensive if businesses are to truly succeed, given that this is ultimately sort of your area of expertise? It's about helping businesses develop and helping businesses set up for yeah. the long run. Yeah, ab- absolutely. It's like um, short-term interventions, a bit like going on a training course that we've probably all been on uh, in, in the past and we come away buzzing from a training course, we've learned a load of things. Then we get hit by hit by what goes on in our day-to-day life, and um, if we're lucky, we implement a small percentage of, of, of those things. It, we need to have long-term intervention, and I I think you've hit the nail on the head there from my perspective as well. That most of the support in the past has been short-term. You have to have completed the program within a certain period of time to claim the assist as the provider or for the uh, or for the business to claim a grant if that's what they're doing it all has to be done in a, in a, in a short period of time mm. uh, whereas what what we need, need and what we've seen with this I've already talked about this scale-up journey those challenges change as we as we as we move up and we're going to face different things as time goes on so we need to have the kind of support that enables businesses to access that on an ongoing basis uh, whether it be through peer-to-peer, type of support or however it's delivered but we need people to bring that combination of 
a strategic long-term view as to where we're headed and building the business to maximize its scale potential and value in the long term. But we also need to bring in a mechanism that caters for the things that are happening at the minute, keeping the plate spinning. How do, how, do we, how do we make sure that we bring those things in as well as having that eye on the long term as, as, as well? And the only way to do that is to have some kind of interventions that are spread out over time and give those multiple touch points. And in order for this sort of intervention to be as effective as possible, I suppose the best thing that government can do is actually consult industry, isn't it, to actually establish what are the needs on the ground because it's industry that knows what it wants and what it needs. And if industry is part of the delivery, as you've suggested there, I mean, maybe we can provide some kind of peer-to-peer support there, then, you know, we could, we could certainly be on something. Yeah, I think I think that's right. Um, it's always good, always good to consult. I mean, uh, you know, I, I guess uh, you get um, you get um, as everybody's expressions are, they get six consultants in a room. You probably get six different six different opinions. And, and I wouldn't like to be in Liz Trussell's uh, position. I'm sure she's getting lots of people telling her how she needs to needs to do things. Um, but certainly, consulting with industry, consulting with people like the Scale Up Institute, um, they do some they do some great great work um, and so working working with them to look at what it is that the scale-up businesses need and I, and I think we also shouldn't forget that um, that it's not just about supporting the businesses that are already scaling up we're very good in this country at supporting big corporates but also scale-ups themselves ones that already have met the criteria they're already growing rapidly they've already started from a base of at least 10 10 people uh, and they're the exciting ones to support. But as I was saying earlier, we've got this huge wealth of businesses, about five and a half million of them in this country that have fewer than 10 employees. And there's going to be within those, mm. there's going to be some nuggets that given the right support can become the next scale up. And again, I think we often we often miss those. And you know, I hate, I, you know, I hate feeling like I bring up too many statistics, but in Europe, my understanding is the UK ranks as something like number three in terms of startups, but number 13 in terms of scale-ups, which means that we're, we're missing and losing a, a higher than uh, higher proportion than we should be compared with other countries between the startup and the scale-up. Yeah, so it's essentially the startups are there with the innovations and with the potential, but they're being missed because maybe they're not of a particular size. So it's it's kind of getting them onto that next step, rung of the ladder, isn't it? I mean, get them into the scale-up position and get them into that position where the innovations are really going to be making a difference to, to people's lives, ultimately. Yes, and, and helping them with that transition in the leadership from... Being that startup where we're you know, we're doing it out of the back bedroom or out of the out of the garage and, and and we're fine when we've got three or four five people around us we can we can do those because really you know that the enthusiasm the the the, the drive as to what we're trying to achieve we're all bought into that um, then you start to say okay well now we've got ten people and now we've got to start to be able to manage lead and manage larger numbers of people and things get more and more complex obviously as we as, as we do that. And keeping that going without imploding the business, especially if we are rapidly rapidly scaling, is, is a challenge. And if we can support businesses in that and understanding some of these stages of the scale-up journey and some of the things they need to think about in advance so that we don't end up with um, the businesses 
failing after three or four years that, that could have could have had some real promise. Yeah, it's important that we talk about that, isn't it? Because as important as scaling up is and as beneficial as it can be, sustainable scale up is also incredibly important. What you don't want to do, especially as a young business leader, is actually be growing your business too rapidly. So essentially you're almost taking on too much that you can manage. Yeah. Yeah. So we get, you know, typically we see that on a small scale with most businesses where they have this um, peaks and troughs kind of kind of cycle. And this is in those, those early days, typically, typically up to about a million pounds for the turnover where, where we, 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 do it. We we market ourselves. We do all the right things. We get busy, and then we find that the business can't cope with with any more business. So we take our foot off the gas a little bit. Things slow down, and and we have a bit of a drop, and no and no surprise. Then we go. Oh, we need to get some more clients or whatever. So we we try again. So we see that on a on a regular basis with many many businesses who kind of trying to get past that sort of peak and trough cycle and get more consistent in the business. But what you're talking about there as well is. When we've got a business that really has got something, and and we suddenly get inundated with lots of new clients, mm. how do we manage to do that without overtrading essentially and just just imploding in the in, in in what we in what we have? And and that again is requires thinking about in advance. The key to a lot of this is 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 proper planning, but understanding that these are some of the challenges that we might be facing at the next stage. So what do we need to think about? What do we need to think about in terms of our strategic positioning? What do we need to think about in terms of the people within the, within the business? What about the actual execution of it in terms of making sure that the people are doing the right things? There's your management piece coming in. But then also, of course, with rapidly scaling businesses, is what about the cash? You know, is are we scaling at such a rate that and it's and it's costing us money to scale? Um, so are we going to get to the point where we might have? 10 times as many customers, but actually we haven't got the cash coming in. Exactly that. And that's immense food for thought, isn't it, for any business leader that might be tuning into this particular podcast. And uh, if as well you are sort of interested in uh, anything that Kevin has brought to the table uh, for discussion today, um, bizsmart.co.uk is where you can go to find out a little bit more about uh, your work, isn't it, Kevin? And uh, you're also available on LinkedIn, I believe, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. And if somebody would like to... Have a think about we 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 look at those the different things that the leadership team need to think about as they're scaling the business, and we've broken them down into we call them our in-flight checks, which comes a little bit from my flying background. And we look at some of the key things you need to think about in strategy and people, execution and cash. And we've made a little checklist, and we normally reserve that for clients that we're that we're working with. But um, if anybody listening would like to access those those checks and, and do them for themselves and they can find them by going to smart90.co.uk so that's smart 90.co.uk um, slash in flight uh, the in flight bit and if they, if they do that then they um, then they should be able to have access to that but if they, if they can't get in for whatever reason yes just just contact me on on LinkedIn or via the website that would be great yeah, fantastic. And um, if you sort of are sort of impassioned by any of the uh, the issues that we have discussed today on the podcast, by all means, you can leave a comment on leaderscouncil or oneword.co.uk forward slash contact hyphen us. Um, or if you are uh, the head of an organization or you run your own business and you have your own story that you do want to come and air on our podcast, then you too can apply to be on our program via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply. 
Um, before we do wrap up, however, Kevin, I have to say it's been an immense pleasure welcoming you onto the show and thanks ever so much for joining us. And now that we are in a period of time where, you know, businesses that are looking to scale up are having to navigate some tricky water, I think it's fair to say we're still adapting to the post-Brexit trading environment. We've got inflationary issues. We've got the uh, the cost of living. So what are your sort of key aims going to be over this sort of next 12 months do you feel as you sort of help businesses scale up and chart a course through this quite tricky time and what indeed are you sort of hoping to achieve well we're on our own scale up journey ourselves we're we're franchising our business our business model so that's a key focus for us but yes key focus of working with our clients is is all always about helping them to go further that's what we that's what we're about we do we do quite a lot of peer working where we bring good business owners together so that they have got that sounding board and it gives them that ability then to think about the long term, the scale up journey where we're going, but also to bring their challenges every month. So each business owner will bring a specific challenge. So we'll be focusing with our business owners on looking at those, how they're addressing the real challenges that they're that they're facing right now. Certainly so, and I hope obviously that all transpires uh, well for you and uh, let's uh, maybe even think about catching up on the uh, the programme maybe a few months from now just to see how it's all coming together in these uncertain times. Um, hopefully some good news to, uh, to share um, a little bit later on down the line, Kevin. Um, but for now, um, thank you ever so much for taking the time to join us on the show. It's been amazing having you with us and most enlightening from my point of view. And uh, do take care and stay safe as well. That'd be brilliant. Thank you very much, Scott. And can... can can you indulge me with a quote from the from the from the Queen, which I think sums up leadership that some of your listeners may have heard, but um, but it it just struck me as being something brilliant. Can I? Can I? Absolutely, can I just, uh, absolutely. So, um, essentially, what leaders do for their people today is government and politics, but what they do for the people of tomorrow that is statesmanship. Statesmanship, and she said that at COP26, and I think that sums up everything that's really important about real statesmanship, real leadership, uh, and it ties in with some of the things that Jim Collins says about his executive leadership and everything, and uh, and I I just think it's a very powerful thing to have said. It absolutely is, and of course, we've talked all about leadership today, and we pay tribute at this point in time to one of our most incredible and beloved leaders in the form of Her Majesty the Queen, who will most certainly be missed, and we, of course, wish all our best to uh, also King Charles III, the successor to the throne, and hopefully he can continue that most incredible legacy that, uh, that Elizabeth left behind. Indeed. Thank you, Kevin. And to everybody tuning into the uh, the podcast today, I've been your host, Scott Challoner, on this episode of the Leaders' Council podcast. And until next time, all do take care and goodbye.